Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Mark, chapter number 6, and we're going to read verses 30 through 32. The Bible says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and there they did not even have time to eat. Let me know when the preacher doesn't have time to eat, he's too busy. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Say by themselves. Talk to you this morning about Jesus and community. Father, thank you for your incredible, your infallible, your powerful, miracle-working word. God, I just pray that your word will go through uh, go, uh, today with demonstration and with power. God, give us ears to hear your word. Not just a hearer, Father, but also a doer, putting into practice what we receive today. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You can be reseated this morning. Well, for the past two Sundays, we have been talking about community. Now, you need to understand that community is the new word for fellowship. So when I talk about community today, understand that I'm talking about fellowship. Say fellowship. fellowship. My staff and I are constantly trying to move our church forward. How many understand that a stagnant church is a dying church? Here's what we need to understand, and that is that the message of the church must never change. But the methods of the church must consistently change. Four years ago, we implemented a brand new ministry. We called it the Care Ministry. See, our mission statement here at the Grace Place is caring people, caring for people. If anyone wants to know what your church is all about, if anybody asks you what's your church like, just tell them we are caring people, caring for people. That's our mission. That's who we are. That's who we endeavor to be. And we endeavor to fill this mission by doing two things. Two things. First of all, first of all, it is our goal. It is our heart. It is our desire to provide care for all of our people. That, that is what we desire to do. And that is to provide care for all of our people. Now, 14 years ago when I became the pastor of this church and there was 82 on Sunday morning, I, I could pretty much care for everybody that came to the church. But today there's over 800 people that say they come to this church. 500 uh, on Sunday morning actually, actually show, show up. I can no longer care for everyone individually to, to, the, to the degree that I desire to, to have them cared for. So we're caring people, caring for people, but I can't do all the caring. I, I've got I've to have some help and make sure that everybody is cared for. So what do we do? First of all, we provide care for all of our people. Second thing we do to fulfill our mission here at the Grace Place is we partner, we partner with caring ministries around the world. I talked about that just a few moments ago during the offering. Well, recently we have sat down, me and my staff, we have sat down, we begin to dissect our method of caring for our people. And when we dissected our method of caring for our people, we discovered that we have a weakness. And the weakness is in the area of community or in the area of fellowship. 
Now, we, because of that, we are in the process of overhauling the care ministry. You need to understand that if you are a part of the care ministry right now, if you are in a care ministry group, our current care groups will be dissolved as soon as new ones are put into place. In just a few weeks, we're going to put brand new care groups, we're going to call them C groups, and we're going to put them into place, brand new ones. And when the brand new ones are installed, the old ones will be dissolved. Also, you need to understand that you're going to be allowed to choose your own group. Also, you need to understand that the name of this ministry is going to change. It will no longer be called the Care Ministry Network, but from now on, and when it begins, it will be called C-Groups. Say C-Groups. You're going to hear a lot about C-Groups in the next few weeks, the next few months. You're going to hear so much about C-Groups, you're going to be sick of hearing about C-Groups. Now, there are going to be two elements to these groups. The original element of caring will still be in place. We want these C groups to be caring groups. We want people to care for one another in these groups. And then a new element that we are adding called community or fellowship. As we look at our church as a whole, we have so many strengths. Our church is so healthy. I'm telling you, you're in a healthy church here. We are blessed. As I talk to other pastors and I listen to other pastors talk about the turmoil and the problems and, and, and the difficulties and the inner turmoil that's going on in so many churches today, and we don't have any of that, and we are so blessed. I didn't say our church was perfect, but I said it is healthy, and we are blessed to be in a healthy church. But as we look at the whole uh, picture, you know, just just. Think about a puzzle. Think about putting a puzzle together. Have you ever put a puzzle together and you work so hard to get every piece of the puzzle in the right place and and then you come down and you've been working on it for a long, long time and then you come down to the very end for the last piece of the puzzle and you can't find the piece. You don't know if they left it out of the puzzle. You don't know if you've lost it. You don't know if it's under the table. You don't know if the dog ate it. You know, you're so frustrated because, because you need that last little piece of the puzzle to make the puzzle complete. I believe that we have almost all of the pieces of the puzzle in place for the success and an and incredible future of this church. But I believe there is one small piece of the puzzle that is missing, and that is the piece that we call community. And so it is our heart to get that piece of the puzzle in place, and when we get that piece of the puzzle in place, we'll have the puzzle complete, and I'm excited about what God's going to do with us when we get everything in the right place. Pastor Sean and Pastor Landon are going to help us with the nuts and the bolts of how this is going to work. I get to do the easy part. I'm the cheerleader. I'm the one who gets up to say, rah, rah, rah. Let's get on board, man. And I am excited about it. I'm excited about the potential and what God is going to do in the future. But these guys are going to have to do all the work. So give uh, Pastor Landon and Pastor Sean a, a round of applause this morning. Now, if you haven't heard one or more of the, uh, of the last two weeks' sermons, please go online and listen to them because they were all about community, and this will help you get caught up with the rest of us. We can't say it all in one sermon. We've tried, we've taken three weeks now, so if there's anything you, any sermon you haven't heard, please go online, make sure you hear all three sermons, all right? Well, this morning I want to talk to you about Jesus and community. Jesus and community. What is it about Jesus and community? I mean, 
I mean, I believe that a valid question to ask is, where is Jesus in this? Don't you think that'd be a valid question for us to ask at the church? Pastor's talking about C groups. He's talking about, talking about, uh, you know, talking about uh, uh, caring and, and community and all of these things. Well, where, where, where's Jesus in all of this? Is this community thing that pastor's talking about, is this just some new fad in the modern church world today? You know, Pastor, you always tell us that we don't chase the fads. Is this just a fad? And I'm going to tell you that we do not chase the fads. And I'm going to tell you that community is not just a fad. It's not just a fad. I want to tell you that if you'll look at the Bible, you'll find that the early church was big on community. If you'll read the Bible, you'll find out that Jesus implemented community. If you'll look in the Bible, you will discover that what I'm talking about, what we're about to implement, what I'm preaching about this morning is biblical. Community is biblical. Say that this morning. All right, I want to suggest three things about Jesus and community. Three things about Jesus and community. First of all, it was his practice. It was his practice. See, see, he went to people's homes. See, matter of fact, when I read the Gospels, I discover that Jesus seemed to be more about community than he was about the crowd. Now, I'm a preacher. I'm about the crowd. Most preachers are about the crowd. Jesus wasn't about the crowd. Jesus was about the community, about community, about fellowship. Fact of the matter is, if you'll read the Bible, you'll discover that Jesus would, would often walk away from the crowd in order to go have community. I think it quite interesting, and you can correct me, uh, please be nice about it, but you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but, but I don't find anywhere in the Gospels that Jesus never invited people together as a crowd. He always had a crowd wherever he went, but Jesus never solicited a crowd. Jesus never told his disciples, go out and knock on everybody's door and get everybody together because the man of the hour is about to speak. Jesus never invited people together as a crowd, but he did invite people to walk away from the crowd and do community together. In our text in Mark 6, the Bible says that there were so many people coming to Jesus that there wasn't even time for him or his disciples to eat. If I was a preacher, if I were Jesus, I would say, wonderful! The more the better. Because the preacher's about the crowd. Man, my ushers know they better find 500 here this morning. If there's 498 of you out there, they better drag two people off of the street and bring them in here. Because the preacher's about the crowd. Jesus wasn't about the crowd. Jesus was about community. And in verse number 31, Jesus said, let's, let's come aside by ourselves. Jesus said, we need, to, we need to get our C group together. We need some small group time. Read through the Bible. Read through the Gospels. Notice how many times that Jesus went to somebody's home. Jesus left the crowd and went home with Zacchaeus. So many people around, Zacchaeus being a short man couldn't even see Jesus. He had to climb up into the sycamore tree so he could see Jesus. Jesus left the crowd and went home with one man, Zacchaeus. Jesus went to Matthew, the tax collector's house. He went to the, mother, uh, he went to the home of Peter's mother-in-law. He went to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Where, where did Jesus stand on community? Well, well it was his practice. 
It's what he did. But not only did Jesus go into people's homes, he hung out with 12 men. Mark chapter 3 and verse 14 said, Jesus appointed the 12 disciples. Notice what he appointed them for. It said, Jesus appointed 12 disciples that they might be with him. Jesus' C group was made up of his 12 disciples that he had personally chosen. See, we need to understand that Jesus preached to the crowds, but he poured his life into community. That's really good, and you're just sitting there like, mm. it don't get much better than that, so come on, jump on board here with me. I said, Jesus preached to the crowd, but he poured his life into community. And let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with crowds, and we've got to have the crowds, and we should have the crowds. We should gather together on Sunday morning for a celebration service. We should come together to praise and worship God and share our gifts and, and, and pool our resources together so that we can, so we can touch a lost world. I'm not criticizing crowds, but listen, to be more effective, the crowd must be broken down into community. Where did Jesus stand on community? Well, it was his practice. But not only was it his practice, number two, it was his process. It was his process. I want you to notice the threefold purpose of Jesus and community. First of all, he did this to build relationships. He did this to build relationships. See, see, Jesus understood man's need for relationship. Did you know that man is born relational? Did you know that man needs relationships? It's a God-given need. But not only did Jesus understand man's need for relationship, Jesus also understood the power of relationship. When I begin to think about this, listen, listen, there's, there's hardly anything more powerful than relationship when you actually understand it and you begin to think about it. Let me suggest this this morning. Love comes through relationship. I'm in love with my wife. Why? Relationship. I was attracted to her the first moment I laid my eyes on her because she's a fox. She was here in the early service. Her, her mother, who has had three strokes, you know, we've been praying for her for months, walked in here of her own self this morning. Amen. Uh, her mother did. My mother-in-law. Yeah, come on. But she could only stand to hear her son-in-law preach once, so she went home. Amen. <laughs> Actually, she's very tired. It wears her out, but she's, the mom, wife took her, took her home. But, but, but I, I was attracted to her the first moment that I laid eyes on her. I wasn't in love with her. I became in love with her. Love came through relationship. Trust comes. How does trust come? Through relationship. Amen. You didn't trust me the first moment that they announced me as the pastor of your church. There are a lot of reasons why you might have trust issues, considering the things that had been going on in the church before I, before I got here. Listen, some of you didn't trust me for a few years. <laughs> but I, re- I, I, I gained your trust. Where does trust come? Trust comes through relationship. Access comes through relationship. My son-in-law, how long y'all been married? I lose track. She said, Krista, he won't know. Huh? 15 years? Yeah, 
15 years ago, Sean didn't have access to my house. He didn't have access to my car. He didn't have access to my refrigerator. (laughs) He's got a key to my house now. Access comes through relationship. Favor. Where does favor come? Favor comes through relationship. And the list goes on and on and on. Jesus practiced community with his 12 disciples as a process to build relationships between him and them and between them and each other. See, see, Jesus knew what the byproducts of their relationship would eventually be, which are love and trust and access and favor and unity and strength. And the list goes on and on and on. But not only did he practice community as a process to build relationships, but also he did this to reinforce his teaching. In Mark chapter 4, verse 10 through 12 says, Later, when he was alone with his disciples, say alone. Later, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained the parables to them. See, See, Jesus explained in private what he proclaimed in public. Did you get that? See, see, he took the members of his community deeper than he took the crowd. Notice the third thing about the process of community as it relates to Jesus. And that is, he did this to refresh himself. He did this to refresh himself. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Jesus said to the twelve, he said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. See, see, crowds can drain you. And crowds can wear you out. Crowds can expect a lot from you. Crowds pull, you know, people that, you know, you could pull more out of me this morning if you would. If you would. Crowds, crowds can pull from you. Crowds, crowds expect a lot from you. Crowds expect you to perform. See, see, Jesus needed community to refresh himself. He needed people in his life that he could just hang out with. Someone he didn't really have to be Jesus Christ around. Someone he could have some downtime with. Oh, oh, someone where he didn't have to perform. He didn't have to be up for. See, 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 don't don't forget Jesus wasn't 50% man and 50% God. No, Jesus was fully man and fully God. And in his humanity, he had all of the needs that every human has, including community. I believe this is one of the reasons why Jesus wept over his friend Lazarus when he died. I believe this is one of the reasons why Jesus gave Peter a look of disappointment when Peter failed to stand up for him when he was being falsely accused because he had built community. I'm talking about Jesus and community. What is this thing all about? These C groups? Is this just the latest fad? Is this just somebody just wrote the latest book? Are we just chasing the fads? What does Jesus have to say about C groups? I'm going to tell you, Jesus started C groups. And I believe that if Jesus felt his need for community, If Jesus made community a priority and developed his very own C group using the 12 disciples, perhaps we should be a part of a community ourselves. Let me ask you these questions this morning. Uh, Do we need to build relationships with people of faith? 
Do we need to reinforce the teachings of God's Word by discussing them with people of faith? Do we need to refresh ourselves by rubbing shoulders with other people of faith? Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. When we began these C groups, and when we actually have them at the close of each of our C group, the last few minutes of the C group is going to be closed with what we call high and low. We're going to ask everybody in that group what their high was recently and what their low was recently, and then we're going to pray for one another. It's not going to all be about sharing. It's not going to spend all, all it, it's the last few minutes. Don't get, don't freak out about, well, if I got to share my heart, I'm not going. No, you don't have to say anything. You can just sit there and take notes. Amen. I'm just kidding. No one will be forced to say anything they don't want to say. But, but the Bible says in Romans 12 and 15, to rejoice with those that are rejoicing and to weep with those that are weeping. So my subject this morning is Jesus and community. Where, where, where did Jesus stand on this issue? Well, it was his practice. It was his process. And number three, it was a precedent. It was a precedent. See, everything Jesus did had a purpose. There was a purpose for every single thing that Jesus did in John 13 verse 15 Jesus said to his disciples he said I have given you an example to follow and you should do as I have done to you see see Jesus knew that his time on earth was limited see see he only lived as a human on earth for 33 years that's a very short time and his full-time ministry only lasted for 3 years and so because of this Jesus was laser focused and he prioritize his time. See, he knew that he would leave the future of the, of the coming church in the hands of 12 men. And so everything that Jesus did was done with the highest priority and an eternal purpose. So in light of this and in light of the amount of time that Jesus devoted to developing community with a small group of men... And in light of the fact that the disciples carried this on and made it a high priority in the early church after the day of Pentecost and after Jesus had, had ascended back into heaven, in light of all of this, I think if C groups were important to Jesus and important in the early church, they should be important to us. Everything Jesus did had a purpose. And everything Jesus did had a practical application. See, Jesus was aware of human need, the need to be loved, the need to be accepted, the need to be valued, the need to be appreciated, the need for approval, the need for community or fellowship. Listen, we humans are needy, aren't we? We really, really are. We need one another. All of us need to be loved. And you would think that love would come naturally through our moms and our dads. But, but we discover that there are people that have never genuinely been, been loved by their mama or their daddy. 
You would think that, 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 that a person's natural family would be accepting to them, but we have discovered that some people have never received acceptance from their family. You would think that, that fathers and mothers would have valued their sons and daughters, but I, we discover that there's people that have never been valued. They never really have felt valuable. Listen, everybody likes to be appreciated. And everybody likes to receive approval. We humans are needy, needy people. We really, really are. We need one another. We need the human touch. I love the old story about the little boy that came into his mom and his dad's bedroom in the middle of the night in the midst of a, of a terrific storm as, a, as the rain was falling, as the wind was blowing, as, as, as the lightning was crashing and the thunder was rolling. And the little boy got up out of his bed and walked out of his room and went into the bedroom of his mom and dad, tears streaming down his face, fearful of the storm that is going on. The father said to his son, his father said, son, son, there's nothing to be fearful about. There's no reason for you to be afraid. Son, go back into your own bedroom. Get back into your own bed. Son, Jesus, Jesus will be in there with you. And the little boy said with tears rolling down his cheeks, but daddy, right now, I need somebody with skin on. Listen, I'm going to tell you that all of us need someone with skin on sometimes. Oh, it is my prayer. It is my hope. Oh, listen, C-groups, I believe, will give you somebody with skin on. It'll give you somebody to love you. It'll give you somebody to accept you. It'll give you somebody to add value to you and value you and appreciate you. Somebody to share life with, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I want you to notice something very, very significant. Please, if you've tuned out, tune back in for this this morning. I want you to notice that when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, you know why he went to the Garden of Gethsemane? There in the Garden of Gethsemane, he would contemplate the cross. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he would make his final decision. Do I go to the cross or do I not go to the cross? It was at the, in the Garden of Gethsemane when he counted the cost of what it was going to cost him to go to the cross. And the Bible said that he was in such agony in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane that his sweat became great drops of blood that fell to the ground. You read the story of the crucifixion and not even on the cross did Jesus sweat blood. But it was when he was contemplating and it was making his final decision when he was counting the cost of what it would really cost him to purchase salvation for man. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. But I want you to notice that when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane knowing what he was doing there and knowing what his purpose was there, I want you to notice that he didn't go alone. There were times when he would tell his disciples, you stay in the boat, I'm going up on the mountain. You stay here on the seashore, I'm going into the wilderness. But when Jesus, when he knew that he was going to have to go count the cost of his salvation, when he knew he was going into the hardest time of his entire ministry and his entire earthly life, he didn't want to go alone. And so he picked the three People from his C group, he went into his C group and he picked Peter and James and John that they would go with him. I don't want you to go into your darkest hour by yourself. I don't want you to rejoice in your finest hour by yourself. But I want there to be people in your life that you can call upon. People in your life that can go with you. They can go with you through your Gethsemane. They can weep with you, but they can rejoice with you in the good times as well.
church. My desire that through our new C groups, we will better be able to fulfill our mission of caring people, caring for people. Where did this slogan come from? Is it just that pastor just get on the internet and find fancy slogans and catchy slogans? No, no, no. I want to tell you where it came from. First of all, it came from the heart of God. And then from the heart of God, it was transferred into the heart of his pastor. Listen, what caring is all about. You are simply duplicating me. You are simply, when you go to the hospital or when you talk to someone or you care for somebody, it's just like I'm caring for them. Amen. I can't care for everybody all by myself anymore. I wish I could. Listen, I've got that heart to care. But because I do care, I'm going to make sure somebody is caring for our people. One of the greatest ways to do it is through community. Amen. Listen. It's also my desire that instead of one care minister caring for five to seven families like the old model of the care ministry is. Understand there will still be a leader in the group. But I hope and I pray and it is our desire and it is our, our instruction and our teaching that it will not be one care minister caring for five, six, seven families. No, there still will be someone. Yes, there will be somebody in the group that is in charge. There will be a leader in the group. But our genuine desire is that not one care pastor cares for five, seven families. Our desire is that everybody in the group will care for one another. I want to develop an atmosphere of caring. An atmosphere of caring, an atmosphere of being genuine and real. Caring about people. As a community, each one in the community will care for for the others in the community. And I believe that if people are choosing their own group based on on similar interests and similar seasons of life, I, I don't know why this can't or why it should not happen. Takeaway for the day is this. If Jesus made community a priority, so should we. Again, let me say that we're not forcing anybody to be in a C group. If you say you don't need to be in a C group, you don't want to be in a C group, we're not going to make you feel bad. We're not going to push you in there. We're not going to make you do, do that. We're going to make it available. Man, I hope that you do. I hope that you want to be a part of it. But what I really, really genuinely want and hope is that everybody desiring community will find it. If Jesus, the takeaway, if Jesus made a priority, if Jesus made community a priority, so should we. Pastor Sean is going to come at this time. He's going to share a couple of the nuts and the bolts of this upcoming ministry as we endeavor to overhaul the care ministry, and it soon becomes C groups.